Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor of Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Devin Hassan, sports editor for the Mesquite News and Rowlett Lakeshore Times, as well as Taylor Raglan, who does sports for the Plano Star Courier, Allen American, and the Lake City Sun. Gentlemen, week four of the high school football season is here. It is still in flux because already <laughs> what a surprise. Bad More bad weather is expected later this week. So, um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of our games are uh, by the minute being moved from uh, from. Friday to Thursday to try to get a uh, to get a head start on uh, on Mother Nature after two straight Fridays of uh, just weather delays and cancellations. So um, for the games that we talk about today, I mean we're recording this what around uh, what twelve thirty on Wednesday. So uh, the times that we uh, the times and places and dates that we give you are as of now. We'll see if those things change. Um, you know. Before uh, you know, before tomorrow. But nevertheless, we've got a, we've got a, you know, let's preview some of the marquee games that are on tap for week four. A bit of a lighter schedule this week because you know a lot of our schools are on by. So um, but nevertheless, despite you know uh, the sample size not being as uh not being as much volume, I guess, as in previous weeks for our game of the week poll, we actually had the most entertaining game of the week poll yet this season, and a one that um that finally after three weeks of <laughs> we had just one game that just distanced itself from the pack, we um we had. Two, two games that went right down to the wire and was decided by one vote. <laughs> and um, after a uh, back and forth, back and forth between Allen and Plano and Sunnyvale and Glen Rose, it is little old Sunnyvale that yeah, comes they, out on top. You, Devin, you warned us. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I mean, the school with uh, a little over 400 in enrollment beats the two schools with a combined 12,000 students. <laughs> so... And um, yeah, so nevertheless, yeah, shout out to Sunnyvale. By one vote, they were able to edge, and this was right at the wire too. I mean, I checked that poll um, at around uh, the deadline was you know five o'clock on Tuesday. I checked the poll at one o'clock just to see how things were shaken up, and Sunnyvale had closed the gap to within eight votes of Plano and Allen. And you know, I went on, you know, tweeted the link back out, and let's let's go, let's see how this how this looks coming to crunch time. And I checked, you know, each hour, and it just like bit by bit, Sunnyvale just closed the gap just by a couple. Votes and then right at the wire, 
they eclipsed them with that one necessary yes. vote to uh, to make them the game Shout of the week. Out to whoever that was. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, <laughs> it's definitely a community that rallies together around <laughs> around pretty much everything out there, but particularly the football team. So, um, Sunnyvale, yes, Sunnyvale welcomes Glen Rose in a uh, nice little non-district game at the uh, at the 4A level. This one, as of now, is set for Friday, 7:30 p.m. out at Raider Stadium, um, in a game that uh, you know. First off, like it's it gets cool that we're going to get a chance to finally talk a little bit of Sunnyvale yeah. just in depth because I know we don't get a chance to divulge into you know our 4A programs as much and I mean let's be honest like Allen and Plano just because of the stature of the games that they play in the district that they play in they're going to be on this poll plenty of other times throughout the year so it's nice to you know throw Sunnyvale a bone because this is no doubt a, a significant game for both from you know for them as far as um, as close as the poll too yeah as far as a kind of just a nice litmus test to see where they're mm-hmm. at you know the Raiders have you know looked uh, looked apart so far of um, handling that transition to uh, you know to class 4A they're three and zero Glen Rose comes in with a uh, with a two and one record albeit a, a strong two and one record so um you know Devin you, Sunnyvale is is your squad so um so so far um within these first three weeks um just what have your impressions been on Sunnyvale and how they've acclimated to uh, to class 4A uh, you know they, it's been a pretty smooth transition thus mm-hmm. far uh, you know last week uh, they had two solid outings uh, I thought the first week against Kemp was uh, um, not, it's not a statement game mm-hmm. but it was something that was on their mind in the offseason because Kemp was a state semifinalist in 3A last year mm-hmm. and was a district rival of Sunnyvale's. So they knew about, you know, they're going into kind of uncharted waters with a lot of their opponents, but this was a team that they knew. And so they kind of knew what Kemp had and it was kind of a good measuring stick. And they were able to go out there and post a pretty solid 35-19 victory, you know, follow up that with a with a win over Van Alstine. And then last week, kind of got into a shootout with Brownsboro. Yeah. Um, but they never were really threatened. They kind of kept them at arm's length. Every time Brownsville would kind of creep close, uh, they just give the ball back to Trip McKay in, in the red zone. And uh, their outstanding junior quarterback uh, finishes this game with seven touchdowns, wow. um, two throw, two passing, and five rushing. Um, again, they went score for score in the second half, and it was just Trip McKay you know, five yards out, eight yards out, four yards out. Uh, so he's off to a tremendous start this season. Um, you know, I, I think they, they really, last season they struggled in the passing game. And uh, going forward, they really haven't had to throw the ball much. They're averaging, you know, I mean, he's attempted 22 passes in three mm-hmm. games. Um, you know, again, just simply because they haven't had to. Uh, he's kind of the catalyst in that ground game. He's got 57 carries for 336 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, but they have, it's a kind of a committee thing right now also. They have a sophomore that's kind of stepped up, uh, Emmanuel Arenze, uh, who's 24 carries, 254 yards, three touchdowns. Brian Perry who missed all of last season with an injury has come, be- come back and filled in nicely both there and in the secondary. Uh, he's averaging about 10 yards a carry. Uh, the X factor to me in the, in the ground game and, and I'm really curious to see how they use him going forward is Devin Sterling. Um, and again, I don't, I hate making comparisons and I certainly don't like to compare anybody to their older brother, but it's just really interesting to me how they used his older brother Trey Sterling, who's out at Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. who was an all-state defensive back his sophomore year and his junior year, and they would kind of pick their spots to use him on offense. Um, his senior year, he was a full-time running back, well, as well as playing both ways, but then he rushes for 2,500 yards and wins the district MVP. And so they've kind of done the same thing with Devin Sterling, um, who's just a junior. Uh, again, their star linebacker, but they kind of pick their spots to put him in. They put him against Van Austin in the first quarter a couple weeks ago, and he scores two touchdowns. And then, okay, you're, you're nice <laughs> done on offense. You go back to playing defense. So I'm really kind of curious to see how they handle that going, mm-hmm. you know, going forward, if they do kind of plug him in more and more in, in certain certain spots. But, I mean, the, the offense, again, 
The big thing is the development of the passing game. They have some very capable receivers. Mm. Uh, Trevor Tuttle leads the team with eight catches, but Matt Herrera, Ashton Wright, Will Van Bessem, Noah McDill, these are all guys that have made catches uh, uh, in the passing game. And you think they would be in good shape as far as from a protection standpoint. A big Marcus Alexander, the Oklahoma commits, um, you know, anchors that line along with Alex Barrett, Sam Bartis. So they've got experience there, and they certainly showed they can do, you know, they can move the ball on the ground. Mm. But I'm really curious, especially this week when it could turn into a shootout, how that passing game comes along. That's, yeah, I mean, let's then segue right into just a little bit of backstory on Glen Rose, a program that I'm guessing not many people that are listening to this are familiar <laughs> with. Glen Rose, which is, you know, of, you know, 100, uh, you know, 100 minutes away from Sunnyvale. That's another interesting subplot is just the many potential effects of having to make that, uh, you know, that, uh, that travel. But nevertheless, just some backstory on Glen Rose. They are 2-1. and one. Their wins so far have been over Grandview and their terrifying zebra inflatable. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> I showed Taylor that this morning for the first time because I remember that's, yeah, when Grandview came to visit, it was against Sunnyvale, right? Yes. And, um, yeah, you were at that game and you took the picture of that thing and I had never seen anything like yeah. it. That's the most, that's, that is nightmare fuel. Caught fire on Twitter. They never lose a game. <laughs> just, just, the, just the intimidation the factor. The yeah, if you, if you have a second, go Google Grandview Zebra and then go to the image search and you're bound to see a picture of their inflatable. It is it is a zebra, but it is the most terrifying looking <laughs> animal that you've ever seen. It's I, I yeah, I don't know how any team doesn't just get just mentally psyched out just looking at that thing and its red eyes and the it looks like it should have like blood dripping out of its nostrils and it's God, it's just a devilish creation. <laughs> but um so yeah, I mean Glen Rose was able to overcome that and they picked up a fifty two thirty victory against Grand against Grandview. Um they followed that up with a 42-36 victory over Waco Connolly. They did lose to Springtown um, 49-43, albeit Springtown, a quality program. I believe they're ranked number two in their region by the uh, the Texas High School Coaches Association. And so And they're a bigger, they're, they're a four-way Division one. Yeah, so, so. so no shame in that setback. Um, the thing that jumps out immediately when I mean, we just, you know, spend all this time talking about, you know, just uh, Sunnyvale and their prolific offense and Glen, and Glen Rose, I should say, uh, just has that in spades. I mean, their spread offense is, um, it is a vertical passing game in the truest sense. I mean, they will. They're going to attack Sunnyvale deep quite a bit throughout this game. It appears. Um, you know, it's an experienced offense. They got seven returning starters. They do make use of a uh, of a tight end and an H back just to add you know an extra blocker just in case they decide to you know trick things up with their run game and whatnot. But um, it all starts you know behind center with Cameron Griffin, who um, threw for almost 40 touchdowns last year, and he is well on pace for that again. He's got 10 already yeah. <laughs> through three games. Um, they're uh, you know they primarily favor the runs, 56-44 as far as your run pass splits go. Um, you know, it's, but their running game is it's one of two options. It's either going to be Griffin, who will you know at times keep it on a lot of zone read stuff, or they're uh, they're running back Weston Holcomb, who's averaging at least seven yards per carry and has many a long touchdown run already this season. He is a just on film. I mean, a lot of those touchdown runs you can see about four or five broken tackles. I mean, just a a handful to bring down. And he also doubles as their leading receiver. Yeah. Um, he averages seventeen and a half yards per reception, and it's not just you know little dump offs and whatnot. I mean, they will you know they'll motion him out wide and send him deep. They'll just send him straight down the seam out of the uh, out of the backfield. I mean, he's he's part of that, you know, that uh, that four verticals or whatever you want to call the uh, just the the passing attack of theirs. I mean, they are going to put a lot of pressure on Sunnyvale secondary with the job that um you know that Griffin does spreading the ball around. Um, 
downfield. Um, their defense, they return five starters. Uh, the most of that experience resides in their front seven. You know, guys like Keegan Bunt, who's averaging you know one sack per game. Linebacker Ricky Douglas, he had more than 125 tackles last season. Um, their leading tackler, at least per the numbers uh, submitted to Max Preps, <coughs> is a guy with how's this for a high school football name? Brian Pounds. <laughs> that's almost that's yeah. right up there with Bumper Pool. Bumper Pool, not yeah. quite in that category. Like this, uh, from birth, you knew this kid was going to be a linebacker <laughs> someday. Um, but the uh, you know with uh, as we just mentioned with those scores, you know they can they can give up points. You know yeah. it's they're not immune to uh, to letting the other offense have some shining moments as well. They've given up thirty eight point three per game, which yeah. considering they're two and one, I mean you don't usually associate you know when you've given up more than thirty eight points per game with a winning record. But nevertheless, that just speaks to how prolific the offense has been. Um, one thing we just mentioned, um, you know, Sunnyvale and their, uh, you know, what was it just 22, 23 pass attempts this season? Yeah. I mean, they're primarily a run team, and that's where, you know, if you look at what happened to um, to Glen Rose in that spring uh, in the Springtown yeah, game, they uh, they got gashed on the ground pretty bad. Taylor, I'm sure you got the numbers right in front of you. Yeah, it looks like uh, Cameron Rickett, a junior for Springtown, they have him on max preps going for 281 yards and four TDs by himself. <laughs> um, so, you know, for all the the experience you just said that that Glen Rose brings back in the box. I mean that's still that's yeah. that's quite a night from one guy on the ground and and obviously it's not going to get any better with with Sunnyvale with Trip Makeda you know that's another guy that can that can absolutely just you know fly and, and make things happen on the ground so um, it's it's an interesting game for me because I think if you're Sunnyvale you don't want to get in that kind of shootout game that that Glen Rose has been mm-hmm. playing pretty much every time out so far um, just because you know the the passing game um, still evolving and, and still kind of figuring in. Uh, to to having a bigger role and, and maybe not quite as established as, as Glenn Rose's obviously is. So I think if you're Sunnyvale, you want to try to get in get in one of those games where you're holding them to you know under 20 points if you can. I mean maybe it's not possible with a guy like Cameron Griffin for Glenn Rose that you know is consistently gone for three four touchdowns mm-hmm. a game. So um, if it's a shootout, then I mean it's anybody's guess who who takes that one because it's literally maybe you know last possession at that point but I think the key for Sunnyvale is certainly to try to limit some of that get their get their ground game going which is you know proven to be something that Glen Rose can struggle with and, mm-hmm. and hopefully ride that out from there and, and I think Sunnyvale it, it, you know when when they do go through the underneath stuff and they're in their passing game which they do you yeah. know from time to time uh, again that linebacker core Devin Sterling is not the only one I mean Jake Taylor's at, is off to a great start Cole Flannery Trip McKay the quarterback uh, you know plays some yeah, linebacker lots of two-way players in this yeah, game yeah yeah, yeah that's uh, the, the beauty of the yeah. uh, 4A football um, but the, you know the, then I think underneath they're, they're really equipped to handle that it's it's going to be in the back end yeah. and when they go when they extend the field uh, that's going to fall on safeties Ethan Akins Will Van Bessem you know like I say Brian Perry another two-way player at defensive back. Uh, Keaton Manis leads the team with five pass breakups. So, you know, potentially they, they have the ability to slow that offense down. Doing it, though, right. is a totally different matter. Yeah, and, and, the, and the other big thing uh, that stuck out... Um, uh, you know, looking at Cameron Griffin, he has just one interception yeah. in 94 attempts. Yep. So, you know, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to try to make those big plays, this is not a guy that makes a lot of mistakes. So you're going to have to force the issue up front and, and you know, put some pressure on him if you're going to hope to, you know, maybe swing that turnover margin. One thing that's going to be big for Sunnyvale is how they come out and start the game, specifically on defense, because if you just look at what, um, you know, Glenn Rose has shown these first, uh, you know, these first three games, they come out guns blazing. They are averaging through three games almost. 17 points in the first quarter alone. Um, it's and you factor in, you know, you're going to be, you know, on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, you imagine Sunnyvale's going to have a pretty fired up crowd for this. If the 
game of the week voting was any indication. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, as far as just being able to, uh, you know, Glen Rose is going to try to take that home crowd out of the thing, yeah, <laughs> out yeah. of the out of the equation as soon as possible, and they've shown that they have the ability to do that with just how quickly they come and strike. They're not a team that just kind of feels you out a little bit and then yeah. just you know starts you know so once they kind of get a feel, then they settle in, then they start going deep. Yeah. They just well, come out a, and just immediately come out swinging. That's a good way to win a shootout too. Yeah. If you're expecting a game to be you know something crazy like 42 to 35 or, or even closer than that or more higher scoring. A good way to, to start those games is to get out to a 14, 20 point lead mm-hmm. and, and try to establish something where, okay, we'll just trade touchdowns the rest of the game. I've already got a little bumper that's going to kind of carry me. So. Yeah. And, and, and Sunnyville's been able to do that in their games mm-hmm. as well. They haven't had to play mm-hmm. catch up. But the other interesting factor, because uh, we, we just got through breaking down Glenn Rose's passing game against yeah. Sunnyville's running game, kind of, what if it's raining? Yeah. What if it's mm-hmm. pouring down rain in a monsoon? Then all of a sudden, you know, you might think Glen Rose's passing game has a slight edge right now. Well, that flips completely if, mm-hmm. if the weather is bad. Mm-hmm. And Sunnyvale can use that big offensive line and that ground and committee, you know, Trip McKay to run in the ball. Uh, uh, they're stable of other backs. I mean, if it's if it's nasty weather, I think that falls really into Sunnyvale's favor. But it could also make tackling Weston uh, Holcomb through <laughs> <laughs> all that uh, all that more difficult. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, we've uh, you know we've kind of taken a look at um, you know it's kind of the ins and outs of this matchup. So gentlemen, where are we leaning as far as a winner for this? one goes I took uh, I took Sunnyvale I guess just on the back of, of home field momentum um, you know being 3-0 uh, but I mean it was it was one of those true uh, on the picket line those games that you love to give us that's uh, you know just kind of a coin flip and, and could really go either direction so I took Sunnyvale but you know it, I could see it you know playing out um, any number of ways I, I went back and forth on this game as well I, I mean I think it's gonna be a close game yeah um, it, it, you know that Glen Rose has been. I, I think Glen Rose has played a little bit tougher competition mm-hmm. across the board, yeah. uh, and they've been in, in closer games, which I think may give them a slight edge going into the fourth quarter. Um, but again, uh, you know, Taylor just mentioned home field advantage. Um, you know, this is Sunnyvale. They go out every week trying to build their program. I mean, this is a program that's only been around since 2010. So those guys, you know, every time they go out there and have a chance to make a statement against a, a team that's kind of well known in those 4A circles or mm-hmm. you know whichever circles, they're going to do it, especially at home. So. Um, you know, they're going to come out prepared. This is their final non-district tune-up. Uh, again, I think it comes out of the wire, though, and, you know, seven points either way. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, let's see. Uh, obviously, the uh, the 8.1 yards per carry that they allowed, again, that uh, Glen Rose, I should say, allowed yeah. against Springtown definitely does give me pause. 406 rushing yards total in that game. But at the same time, like what you mentioned with, um, you know, just the, the schedule that Glen Rose has played to this point, even though they lost to Springtown, I don't think that's a bad loss by any stretch. Um, Waco Connolly and uh, Waco Connolly is regionally ranked, I believe, yeah. in the same region as, uh, as Sunnyvale is. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just kind of just a bet that they They've you know shown they've shown well against the higher caliber of competition than Sunnyvale has, and that doesn't mean that Sunnyvale's not going to go out and you know and just prove all that they're you know they're every bit as good as you know those teams that you know have lost to, to Glen Rose already. But um, yeah, just that again, just more proven against better competition was the the tiebreaker in this one for me, and what I anticipate will be a very close shootout. And I went with Glen Rose on this one. This uh this this was actually I think the uh, either the first or second time all year though that on the picket line we had a perfect three to three split. There so haven't it was been a, many. Even yeah. games where we expected there to be some, there, yeah. there haven't really been any so far. But so. nevertheless, the staff was torn, and at the uh, at the end of it all, we wound up in a complete stalemate. So 3-3 <laughs> three to three, um, for uh, for our game of the week, Sunnyvale versus Glen Rose. Um, set for Friday, 7.30 p.m., out at Raider Stadium. 
Obviously, that could change depending on the weather. But um, nevertheless, you know, we've had our say in this game. What about Sunnyvale's star quarterback, Mr. Seven Touchdowns himself, <laughs> Trip Mikado? Well, uh, this morning, Devin and myself caught up with Trip to talk a bit about um, just his, you know, his uh, his season, some of his backstory, and uh, in Sunnyvale's big game Friday against Glen Rose. And we will see what Trip had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD Painting has got you covered. At ATD Painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they, uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD Painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture are protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, once again, ATD Painting. They've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, y'all. This is Devin Hassan with the Star Local Media Podcast. We are talking Game of the Week, and this week as voted on by the readers, uh, Sunnyvale versus Glenrose. And so we're out here at Sunnyvale with quarterback Trip Makeda. Trip, appreciate you taking a couple minutes to uh, join us here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, most recently, a 55-39 win over Brownsboro. Off to a 3-0 start. What's the confidence level like right now in that locker room? Uh, well, I mean, when you got a line that can move the ball like we can, you can do whatever you want. And so we like that. Uh, we like how we fought the ball on defense. And uh, we just got to keep getting better. Now, you had a stat line last week. Five rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, seven passing touchdowns, or seven touchdowns overall. Have you ever had a game like that before? Uh, maybe middle school, but not one at the high school level. <laughs> well, is that something that you realize as it's going on, or is that something that someone will kind of tap you on the shoulder afterwards and say, hey, you know you counted for seven scores today? Yeah, I mean, we, we were on offense so much, I was just worrying about winning the game, just keeping the score above theirs, and uh, about, you know, halfway through the third quarter, they started talking to me. It was kind of funny, because my brother plays JV, and he had uh, six touchdowns the night before, oh, wow. so then it kind of became like a personal uh, competition. Okay. Well, speaking of family, your dad was a quarterback, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, played at Mesquite, then played at the Army, and was actually drafted in the NFL. Uh, what kind of impact did that have on you in terms of pursuing football and even even pursuing the quarterback position? I mean, he's always been my number one fan and my coach, and um, before I could even keep my head up, he was throwing footballs at me and having them roll back, and one day I picked it up and threw it back, and he's like, all right, here we go. Well, and are y'all the type that, I guess, you start breaking down the game 30 minutes afterwards, or is it more of a laid back, we kind of talk about it on the weekends, or, or kind of describe that relationship now that uh, he's kind of watching from the sidelines and, and you're yeah. on the field? No, uh, we got back at about 1.30 after the uh, the uh, Brownsboro game, and my dad <laughs> texted me, he goes, hey, I already watched the first half, catch up and meet me in my room, so <laughs> definitely right after the game. Well, that's got to be a neat experience, though, having some, having just that another voice that's kind of been through the wars, in addition to the great coaching staff you have here. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's like I said, he's always my number one fan. I mean, the coaches can hear him from the from the bleachers. Hey, man, my grandpa. So. <laughs> well, uh, last year you, you started all year as, as a sophomore, uh, put together a nice season, rushed for over a thousand yards, passed for over a thousand yards. When you look back where you were at this point last year compared to where you are now, how have you grown as a quarterback? Uh, biggest thing is just accuracy and turnovers. I had too many turnovers last year, and that's what I focused off in the off season, and uh, that's that's my, been my main focus through the first three weeks. 
And now, the great thing about uh, some of these smaller classifications is he played both ways sometimes. Yes, play a little linebacker as well? Yes, sir. How do you enjoy playing defense? Well, so uh, when I was little, I didn't get to play much quarterback, so it was mostly defense. So I grew okay. up playing defense, and I'm, I'm linebacker first, so it's, I love getting a hit. Okay. Well, see, that's a true quarterback mentality right there. Well, and one of the things that's unique about uh, Sunnyvale as well is you have the high school, the elementary, the middle school campus all right here together. When did you start attending Sunnyvale schools? Uh, third grade. Third grade. So basically about the time the football program was getting started. Yes, sir. Correct. So what's that like? I guess what does that add to the atmosphere? Because a lot of times, even if I'm out here, you see kids from the elementary school coming over for the football game. You see the people from the middle school coming over. It's kind of that just kind of sense of community, sense of school pride. What does that add to the atmosphere here at Sunnyvale? I mean, it's so cool. You know, pregame, you see the little elementary school kids out on the, on the side of the field playing their own game. And, you know, they got the players and they're, oh, I'm Trip, I'm Devin. I'm, so it's fun. It's like, you're, it's like you're one of the big dogs, which is nice. Okay. Well, and a lot of times uh, teams will meet before the season. Season stars kind of adopt a motto, kind of adopt a mantra. Did y'all do that this season? Yes, sir. Our motto was a trust the process. Trust the process. Okay. From 3A to 4A, they asked how we're going to do it different. Nothing's different. You just trust the process, and things will figure itself out. Okay. Well, I'll be remiss if we didn't discuss our game of the week, which, like I say, uh, Sunnyvale versus Glen Rose, uh, Friday night, uh, 7.30 p.m. out here at Raiders Stadium. Uh, I know y'all have been talking about it all week. What have y'all, uh, your thoughts on Glen Rose, and what kind of game do you expect out there this week? Uh, high-powered offense. Uh, good offensive line, and I think our main focus is going to be keep the ball out of their hands. Well, I was going to say they have a high-powered offense. I think in the in the high school coaches association poll, they're ranked number one in four A Division one uh, or Division two Region one, whereas y'all are number five in four A. Region 2, Division 2, Division 2, Region 2, that's a handful, mouthful, I should say. Uh, do you kind of use this game as a measuring stick going in a district, going against a top uh, top team like that? Yeah, I mean, that's in the back of your head, but I mean, it's just another game. It's at home, again, with an underdog, just like last time we were at home, and we're just worrying about getting the win for our uh, home fans. Okay, and last thing for you, kind of looking big picture here, you start district play next week, as you mentioned, you're kind of going into a, a new classification, but you're, you're treating it the same, new opposition. What are your kind of your big picture, long-term goals, not just for district, but hopefully once you get into the playoffs every year we have we have a goal to be one and zero, which we did that win district play till thanksgiving so win district and then play through thanksgiving we'll see how that happens from then okay well i believe that's just about a wrap trip makeda appreciate you me. jumping on here uh this is devin haston signing off from sunnyvale high school and uh, now back to the podcast thanks again to trip makeda for taking time to chat for our student athlete spotlight in advance of our game of the week sunnyvale versus glenn rose we got four more games to break down for you, including a couple that have already changed their uh, changed their day of play because of the uh, the impending inclement weather. One of those games, let's get right to it. Allen and Plano, the game that fell one vote shy to Sunnyvale for game of the week, a game which had plenty of plenty of support from the Wildcats and Eagles faithful. But nevertheless, um, yeah, we'll just give a nice little capsule size breakdown of this one. So this game is now going to be Thursday at seven o'clock out at Eagle Stadium. Um, this is, uh, you know, I mean, Allen has kind of lorded over Plano ISD for uh, for a while now. Um, we, I think we mentioned it on Monday's podcast, but it was back in uh, 2005 when uh, was the last time that a Plano ISD program beat Allen, and that was Plano Senior. They did it 45-7, to quite emphatic, and then Allen has swept PISD every year since, and there have been some close calls along the way. You know, Plano, you know, Plano, in, uh, in particular, gave him a gave him a good run back in um, what was it, Kyler Murray's uh, first year back in 2012. Almost handed them their uh, what would I guess would would still be their only loss in uh, in Eagle Stadium if they uh, had they managed to convert a two point conversion inside the uh, the final minute of the game. But nevertheless, um, you know, Allen has a 12 game winning streak over Plano. Um, you know, the the, the big storyline heading into this one is simply the vaunted rushing attack of of Plano. 
Plano going up against an Allen defense that is just as playing as well as it ever has to this point. <laughs> I mean, they've uh, you know they've uh, you know they shut out Mesquite Horn to begin the year. They were outscoring Utah East 52 to nothing into the fourth quarter before you know Utah East got you know 20 garbage time points, and then they shut out Capel in one half of play. That game was canceled at halftime due to the weather. Um, but nevertheless, they've you know they've played 10 quarters, pitched a shutout in nine of them. Um, we'll see. If that changes against a Plano team that certainly has the the ability to um, just rack off big touchdowns both on the ground and through the year, Devin, as you can attest, last week against Rowlett, and that's um, just kind of something that's really jumped off the page about Plano is just that added element of we. I mean, we you know if you've been following Plano football, you're well aware of what Kyron Cumbie's capable of doing, just the home run threat that he brings. This season, you've seen their sophomore Tylen Hines offer the same with all of his long touchdown runs, but now um, you know Plano's passing game is you know the the, the efficiency. Still not where it needs to be. They're completing only about 45% of their passes, but they've. Um, but I believe Colwyn Nets' yards per completion is the highest for a Plano quarterback since Richard Lego back in 2012. So when Plano does complete a pass, it's typically for a pretty yeah. pretty hefty gain, as Devin you saw last week against Rowlett. Yeah, you know, I, that that game was odd. Yeah, um, it sounds in, like in it. Terms <laughs> of, in terms of because it wasn't what you expected. I mean, the one. Plano did hit for two long touchdown yeah. passes. One was a complete coverage breakdown with yeah. one second left in the first half. Um, he's, uh, you know, Cole Winnett has some other open looks. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- those Plano wide receivers were getting uh, some space, you yeah. know, in the back. Um, just missed him a couple times. Hit the big one in the fourth quarter to, to tie it up late. But, um, you know, my biggest question is, I'm sure Allen. You know the way their defense is played. I don't know if they need to specifically game plan for anything. Yeah. If they're just that good, right. um, but you know they watched that tape against Rowlett oh, yeah. and, and Rowlett and how Rowlett handled Kyron Cumbie and Cody Christ. Mm-hmm. They they played last year. That duo combined for I think 440 yards and six touchdowns. I mean they averaged 15 yards a touch both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't do anything last week. Yeah. 18 carries for 57 yards between the two of them. You know basically a shade over three yards per carry. You know Kyron Cumbie three catches for zero yards. And, you know, Rowlett did a really good job. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they just spied Cumby. Wherever he went, they spied him. And then they loaded. They did a good job loading up the middle because that's where kind of Cody Crisp bread and mother mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And he just couldn't find any openings like he could a year ago. And so if you look at that, watching that game last week and saying, okay, Rowlett is doing this. And Rowlett's a solid team. Allen yeah. is, uh, is Allen. And, you know. On the one hand, like it's, I think it's good for Plano that they got a game like that out of their system where they, yeah. they were able to work through the run game not being there since they are so reliant on that. They're able to go back, watch the film, and see Coach McCullough attribute to a lot of like just blocking breakdowns they had you know they'll try to patch that up but all that being said I mean I'm not sure how much it'll matter against with Allen's defense and just how good that they're playing um you know I obviously sided with the Eagles in this I it's just how do you I mean like again we're just you're just not going to ever pick against Allen to lose a regular season game until it happens yeah it's it's just you know Allen rarely loses yeah Allen almost never loses district games and Allen never loses at home so yeah, yeah I mean, not lost, it makes it for a pretty easy pick. They haven't lost at home. They have not lost a district game period since I want to say it was 2010 against Hebron, 2010 or 2011, one of those two years. Hebron got them at home, at um at uh, the old Eagle Stadium for that matter. But um yeah, I mean it was a clean sweep around the board for uh, for Allen over Plano. Um, let's see another game that is uh, on Thursday. This one, let's see, uh, McKinney North. McKinney North, this and uh, Rockwall Heath, this game got bumped from Friday to Thursday. This one is going to be, uh, let's see, is it 7? Uh, yeah, it's 7 p.m. out at Wilkerson Sanders Stadium out in Rockwall. Um, you know, Heath comes into this one, what are they, 1 and 2? North is 2 and 1. Sounds great. Yes, it is. 
And, um, you know, the, the big story for McKinney North early into this season, um, as Kendrick Johnson can attest, is um, just the strides that North is making on defense to try to, you know, they're a program that is, you know, long since been a team that needs to win shootouts, you know, and they've just got all the offense in the world. The defense is, you know, trying to, as you know, to make some gains. And they've done a solid job this season, having held two of their first three opponents to 17 points or less, really working to showcase the improvements on that side of the ball. They only held Frisco Wakeland to 17 points last week, and you'd think on most nights that if, you know, I mean, if they hold anybody to 17 points, that should be more than enough. Absolutely. But the offense got uh, tripped up only uh, and only managed 14 points in a 17-14 loss. Had a chance uh, midway through the fourth quarter to potentially uh, you know, get a tire go-ahead points, but they were stuffed on fourth down just outside the red zone. Um, but nevertheless, um, I ended up siding with North in this one. It feels like Heat's kind of working through some uh, some struggles on offense of their own, and I think this will be a, uh, it's, it's a vote of confidence in the North defense to continue its, uh, its slow resurgence. Right. Yep, I mean, I sided the same way. I mean, I think it's. I think North just has a little bit more going on right now. I think that they've had a, a good um, start to their season. I think that they're. Uh, you know, they, they started their season with a good win over um, over McKinney. I mean, that's a game that I, they should have won and that we all had them winning. But it's still nice to start that way, and, and they haven't really let off since. I think they're just kind of feeling good about themselves, and, and I think Keith, as you mentioned, is just kind of working through a few things that are going to set them back enough to mm-hmm. where North should should take that one. Yeah, and I'm not. These McKinney teams are starting to be like the Frisco teams, oh, yeah. which I can't. No, no, I, I mean, not ever yeah, tell what they're yeah, going to do. If North got tripped up, I wouldn't be surprised. But, and you the, know, the, I, the, you look at it in that. You know, starting off with wins over McKinney and just Northwest. When you look at it now, okay, how impressive was that really? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I think most of us had Wakeland or uh, beating them beating Wakeland. Oh, yeah. Last oh yeah, it was year. a clean sweep for them and, over Wakeland. And, and then you look at it, and, and you know, Cam Constantine and Dylan Markowitz, they're both playing. I mean, is that by design? I mean, I mean, no, it, it's, it's, on, it's on a rotation. I know they did that last year, yeah. two on one off type stuff. I know they experimented, but I have said it many times before. I do not like quarterback <laughs> rotations. Yeah. I think it makes it hard to develop a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw, you know, you're capable of games. You know, like last week, where even though your potential is there to score thirty that night, you can't get that rhythm, and you end up, you know, losing the game because of it. I'm not blaming it solely on that, yeah. but again, Rockwell Heath may be a team with even more question marks. Um, they have a nice quarterback in Jackson Van Beavers, uh, who's thrown for 457 yards, but the running back really had they haven't had anybody step up in the backfield. They have a couple of nice wide receivers, but you know you look at the results. They lost to Timber Creek in a blowout, forty-seven to ten. Uh, they beat a Wiley team that's it, they're not down all year long. They're certainly off to a slow start, and then fell to Richland last week. Mm-hmm. So they've got questions of their own. I think McKinney North has, has proven a little bit more, even though, like I said, I'd like to see him develop some kind of consistency yeah. on the uh, with that quarterback rotation. But I have McKinney North as well. It was a uh, once again a clean sweep for McKinney North. So the staff still uh, keeping the faith in the Bulldogs <laughs> as they venture out to Rockwall. Well, let's see. Let's roll with another Thursday game. This game, uh, a game that at the start of the season looked like uh, there might be some intrigue there. Um, a nice, fun game out in Mesquite between Denton Ryan and West Mesquite. This one is 7 o'clock Thursday out at Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Um, you know, Denton Ryan has already slayed one Mesquite ISD foe this season after they opened up the year in a, a competitive scrap with uh, with Poteet. Yeah. You were out there to see that. Um, first off, yeah, what was your impressions on, uh, on Denton Ryan? You know, Denton Ryan is uh, the number three team in the state according yeah. to the AP rankings, but this is not the same Denton Ryan. Yeah. Um, and you know, they've only played two games, so it's a short sample size. Yeah. Uh, but you, you can't expect any team to replace a Spencer Sanders. Anytime okay. you have a, a player graduate, that and I, I 
had to double check when I was doing my poteet research. 5,200 yards. Okay, that's impressive. But 70 touchdowns? <laughs> I mean, that, that is just mind-blowing. Um, and so when you lose a player like that, that was such a focal point of your, of your offense, both you know running the ball and throwing the ball, uh, it's going to take time. And they, they've really kind of struggled. I mean, they're averaging 178 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason they're the number three team in the state right now is that defense. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jacquez Flemings, Anthony Flemings, J.C. Coleman, Delshun, down. Um, in two games, they have 13 sacks and 28 tackles for loss. And they basically lived in the Poteet backfield when I really? saw them week one. I mean, they're just so big and they're so physical and so fast up front that, you know, I was talking to you know Cody Groves, Poteet head coach after the game. He said, no one's going to be able to run on them all year. They, that is the, That defensive front is, it looks like a college defensive front almost. So that's going to be the big challenge facing West Mesquite. I do think West Mesquite, they, they were coming off a 54-42 win over Keller Timber Creek. Uh, you know, they had their game against Lancaster two weeks ago canceled. West Mesquite had opened against Hutto, uh, a very good Hutto team that made it three rounds deep in the playoffs last year. Put up points there. So I think if, if West Mesquite can break a couple of big plays, and they have playmakers on offense. Neil Johnson, uh, the quarterback, has kind of settled in nicely into the passing game uh, after playing wide receiver for the most part last year. Uh, he can also run the ball a little bit. Ty Jordan was a, a guy who I thought was going to be a, mm-hmm. a, one of the breakouts stars in the area after primarily backing up Curtis Williams last year uh, last week 20 carries for 200 foot, uh, t- 250 yards and four touchdowns and then we talked about Dylan Wright the uh, Texas A&M commit yeah. uh, one of the highest rated prospects in the uh, in the state and he's he's off to a hot start with 11 catches for 165 yards a couple scores so they kind of have those playmakers that if they can if they have an opportunity if they get an opening against that Denton Ryan which is tough enough to do yeah. um, that I think they can make I think they can make a couple plays and I think that West Mississippi defense has good athletes. I mean, they've given up their share of points against more prolific offenses, but that's where Ditton Ryan is struggling right now, yeah. is to move the ball. So, I think most people, you know, across the Metroplex are going to go, oh, it's Ditton Ryan, and just think Ditton Ryan in a landslide. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think this game could be a lot closer than people think. Again, that game against Poteet was 28-14, to 14, and uh, that went down to the wire, and their second game went to overtime against Keller Fossil Ridge. A good Fossil Ridge mm-hmm. team, but it's still 26-19 went to overtime. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I ended up you know going down on this I one just you. because I mean, when you have that decided an advantage in the trenches like they do yeah. with that defensive front, that's just that's always going to be such a swing for me in just about any matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I agree that this game is closer than it looks on paper. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's quite the level of. Um, I mean, obviously not the level of Allen, but Den Ryan can feel a little bit similar sometimes where it's just like, I'm not going to go against Den Ryan just because of you know the, the program mm-hmm. itself and, and how tough they are to beat pretty much year in and year out. Um, so I went with Ryan, but I, I do think this game would be a lot closer than people think and then and uh, then it looks on paper. So. Might be closer than people think, but the picket line disagrees, at least as far as a uh, winner-loser standpoint. It was a clean sweep for, uh, for Denton Ryan. Let's get out of here with one uh, with one more game, one out in Frisco, a battle of District 7-5A Division II programs. Frisco versus Lebanon Trail. Could be a good one, man. Friday, 7 p.m. at the Star. Uh, Frisco, congratulations to Frisco. They snapped a 13 game losing streak last week following their 35-21 to victory over Denton Braswell. Got strong games from Carter Yates, who attempted just uh, you know seven passes, completed five, had almost 150 yards passing. You'll with, I mean, with the the, uh, the infrequency that uh, the Frisco passes the ball, you'll take that any day of the week. And then running back Nick Stanton at 150 yards on the ground as well. So, yeah, you know, shout out to the Raccoons for finally snapping that out of that slump. You know, it was a, a rough go last year for them, 0-10, and um, you know, they're at least three games into the season, off on the right Foot. They got a chance to go two in a row against a first-year varsity program, Lebanon Trail, that 
Started off the year on a hot note. They got a 28-14 win over Fort Worth Southwest, uh, but have fallen on some tougher times since then. And, you know, a couple lopsided losses to Arlington Heights and Denison. Um, for me, this one boils down to simply, I, it's always just tough to kind of gauge how a program's going to fare the first time that they see Frisco, because even if Frisco's down, like, they just play such a unique style of football with that wing tee that the first time you go up against that, it can just be like a, a brand new, <laughs> just a brand new style of play, because you just, you don't see that. Teams just don't run that stuff at the high school level. And then you factor in just the the physical discrepancies between a program like Frisco and a program like Lebanon Trail, a first-year varsity program. I don't believe they have any seniors at their um, you know at their high school. And I feel like in a matchup that's you know where physicality is going to be a bit more of a of the focal point because of the style of play that uh, that Frisco um, you know encourages. I feel like the um, you know the discrepancy there between you know going up against 17-year-olds versus you know you know 15 and 16-year-olds on the other side of the ball. I just think that kind of that stuff kind of sticks out a bit more in the stylistic matchup. So I ended up rolling with Frisco to make it too straight in this one. Yep, I did as well. I picked Frisco to uh, yeah to win their second in a row. Um, I think it might be another game that's a, that's a little bit closer and a little bit more competitive, at least for um, you know maybe the first half. To your point, maybe it's one of those games where you know Lebanon Trail comes out pretty hyped up. This is maybe you know they feel probably one of the more beatable teams mm-hmm. in their district. You know the, their chance to kind of make a statement against a crosstown team. So. I think it might start close, and then maybe some of those little incremental advantages start to take over as the game goes along, and, and I think Frisco does outlast them, but I think it'll be um, certainly one of the more competitive games for Lebanon Trail, who have already shown that they can be competitive, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think it'll be a, a pretty good one, a pretty good um, a little Frisco uh, matchup. It's one of those games that, you know, the first year uh, at the varsity level, you kind of circled these games. You know, you, you're not going to go out and beat the... You know the Lake Dallas's and Lovejoys and Reedies of the world. Your first year at the varsity level in a district like that, but you know you circle your matchup with Frisco. You circle your matchup with Memorial, the other first year team. Mm-hmm. So you know who knows? Maybe Lebanon Trail gets you know hyped up for this one. This could be one of their more important um, and more, uh, I guess, moral victory style games. Um, but I took Frisco, so I, I took Frisco fairly convincingly. Um, I I think Frisco may be one of those sleeper teams that, that's able to, to do something as mm. far as making a push at a playoff spot. And, and the reason I say that was based on one of their losses uh, oh, yeah. to, to Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. They scored 48 points against yeah. a so, yeah. Melissa team. Yeah. They rolled up over 600 yards and over 400 on the ground. And like as you mentioned, that wing tee is so tough. To, to replicate in practice that teams don't they can't really cope with it until they get on the field to, to really get yeah. that game speed and how it's run uh, you mentioned Nick Stanton well they got four guys that have already rushed for more than 100 yards that's, and that's when, Frisco and, football and, for yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but when the wing tee is most effective is when you have multiple guys mm-hmm. when you rotate those guys when you can have three guys in the back and maybe somebody over here on the side coming in motion and the defense honestly has no idea you don't yeah. have just the one option and the other thing Carter Yates you know for a wing tee quarterback 20 to 33 most yeah. you know for some of the I mean from kind of follow along Damon Forrest running the wing tee here in recent years, there were games where, hey, I mean, they averaged four or five passes a game. So if you can have a guy that can go out there and, and throw the ball 10 to 12 times a game and complete a high percentage and strike when that when the deep, you know, defense starts cheating in mm-hmm. and get those guys and hit them with those big plays, I mean, that's a huge advantage because sometimes you can't even find a quarterback that can do that. So I like Frisco in this one. And, and like I say, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see. I'll have to run it by uh, Mr. Brian Murphy, uh, the expert in all things Frisco. Um, but you know that, that may, this may be a team that uh, if they can get that wing tee churning, that may be able to make some noises here. Yeah. 
So yeah, there you go. And the uh, the picket line agreed. It was a clean sweep of Frisco over the Lebanon Trail. So I um, mean, yeah, that is a look at um at a few of the marquee matchups in our neck of the woods for for this week. We'll um yeah we'll be keeping you all apprised if obviously if any more games um, you know if the schedules change if any games are moved to Thursday you can check that information out at our website starlocalmedia.com. Otherwise we will be out and about covering these games both Thursday and Friday for uh, you know for most of us most likely. Um, as far as coverage goes, um Devin, what do you have on tap this week? Uh, opening week of the uh, 10-6A uh, football season, will I will be at uh, Homer B. Johnson Stadium mm-hmm. uh, Thursday as Rowlett and Naaman Forrest, uh, who basically battled it out for second and third place last year, uh, meet up in their opener. And then on Friday, I have the big clash of 0-3 teams. <laughs> uh, didn't expect that. Uh, but Saxe and Wiley um, in a big game. Saxe looking to bounce back. Wiley, this is kind of their MO, even in, in 6-6A and even, you know, in, in tougher in tougher districts. That's, they start slow, but then, you know, but this is about the stage of the year where they start, start to get things going, and, and you all of a sudden see a team that's 0-3, they're 6-4, and 4, you know, seven weeks from now. So, a couple of interesting matchups as, as both teams try to get off, uh, or all four teams, I should say, try to get off uh, to district on the right foot. Uh, for me, um, you know, the plan was initially to have Plano and Allen on Friday, and now that that one's on Thursday, well, my Friday's wide open, so um, I'll be covering the Plano-Allen game, obviously, Thursday night, 7 p.m. at Eagle Stadium. On Friday, I'm probably going to end up taking a dip in the private school waters for a second. I'm going to go out to probably uh, Prestonwood Christian to cover their non-district game against longtime district rival Argyle Liberty Christian. This game's significant because it is their first matchup against Prestonwood's uh, their former offensive coordinator, uh, Stephen Greek, who is now the head coach at, um, at Liberty Christian. Uh, Liberty Christian had a nice one last week over Brock, and um, man, they come in with a little bit of momentum coming in. That's it. It's, it's, first, it's a nice student versus teacher matchup with Stephen Greek and Chris Cunningham. Uh, Prestonwood is 3-0 and and looks the part of one of the best teams in, a, in the private school neck of the woods as they traditionally are the reigning state champions um so yeah should be a should be a fun one i will be out uh thursday now uh, my game also got moved up i'll be out in princeton where the panthers will host lake dallas uh, in a 7 p.m matchup thursday and then like you my friday uh my friday all of a sudden opened up so uh, most likely i will be at um clark stadium for Plano west and dallas jesuit uh in a 9-6-a matchup um, but obviously, depending on you know if that game gets moved up, which games actually stick on Friday, uh, all that good stuff. It's a little bit TBD uh, as far as Friday goes at this point. But we will certainly keep you apprised. Which, uh, by the way, relevant in our coverage area, um, it just came down that McKinney uh, at Prosper has also been oh. up to Thursday, so <laughs> including all homecoming activity. Yeah. So so games are uh, falling quick. all over the place and and scooting up a day. So. Um, we will keep you apprised of those as, as they come along. So, all right, and that'll uh, that'll just about do it for this edition of the podcast, folks. Um, this has been Matt Welch, Star Oak Media, Devin Taylor. Appreciate y'all for swinging by, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to y'all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? 
Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.